I titled uh, today's message as, Is There Hope When I Fail? A few years ago, uh, one of my church members visited me in my office. By the way, that is my office right there. You know, the white uh, stuff that covered my office. That, that is where I stay during the weekdays. So whenever you feel like to come and talk, uh, you are always welcome. And uh, the person came, and with tears, she spoke to me, Pastor Ken, I messed it up. I failed big time. Uh, I blew it. And uh, I kind of knew what she went through. I couldn't do anything, but I offered prayer together with the person with tears. And I remember the prayer. Lord, is there any hope that you can restore this person? I remember the prayer. Lord, uh, do you have any hope that you can uh, do something about this situation? And I often ask the prayer to the Lord. And I look at my life and when I look at our members' lives, there is there any hope? I often offer that question to the Lord. The answer is so obvious. Every time I offer the question, answer is always, yes, there is hope in, in Jesus Christ. There is hope in Jesus Christ. I, I want to talk about hope today, especially when hope that we need when we feel like we have failed. I want to read the passage, which is in your uh, little, uh, program. The woman said, I know the Messiah. I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. You know the story about Samaritan woman at the well, right? This is the the, the Verse that I took it out from that long story, Samaritan woman. And when we look at this passage here, she knew that Christ is coming, Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything. That means she has hope, right? When Messiah comes, he's going to explain all the questions that I have. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you is he. She didn't know that the person she spoke with was Jesus Christ, Messiah himself. And the encountering with Jesus Christ, this Samaritan woman who lived in a shameful life, maybe desperation, after she met Christ, she found hope. And her life changed. She experienced transformation took place in her life. That's why when you look at the verse 29, which we haven't read, but the many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, believed in Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. She had a tough life. She had five husbands. And one who lived with her at that moment, was not even her husband, too. 
she reason that she went to the well at the noon time was she doesn't want to bump it to anybody. She doesn't want to meet anybody. She was living in a shameful, desperation life. But after meeting Jesus Christ, she found the hope. And she became one who witnessed Jesus Christ. That's the whole village of the Samaria became to know Christ. If we are, we are here with some desperation, feel like you have failed, I am glad that you are here today. No matter how badly you have failed, there is hope for you. That's the message. That's what this story is all about. So I want to share three lessons from uh, today's text. Number one, Jesus, oh, yeah, before I share this, wait, uh, that's the picture that I want to share, uh, but let me share the point first. Jesus knows about, uh, knows about our failures. As God, Jesus knows everything. He knew all about the marriage mistakes and moral failures of this Samaritan woman. Do you know this picture? Anyone know this picture? In 1647, Italian painter Gorsino, this is his, his piece, he completed this painting of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. It appears as if this artist, Gorsino, captured the very moment when Jesus pointed to the town saying, go get your husband. The woman is starting off into space with an expression that reveals a combination of emotions. Regret, can you see that? Regret for the, her mistake in the past and a longing for hope in the future. When I saw this picture and heard this explanation, that's us. We have so much regret, don't you? We do have regrets in our lives. Regrets about our past. At the same time, we have a longing heart to hold on to hope for our future. That's her. The Samaritan woman. But that's us. All of us are like this woman at the well. We have failed. When you look at the uh, Bible, especially book of Hebrews chapter 11. There are people, you know, you can see the list of godly people. We call that a hall of fame of giant of God's people. When you close look at each one of them, they were great men and women of God, yet they failed one point of their lives. Noah built an ark, right? But he also got drunk and naked and exposed himself. Abraham was the father of faith, father of faithful. But he also lied about Sarah being his wife when they visited Egypt. Isaac messed it up and blessed the wrong son. Jacob, whose name means grabber, stole the, the birthright from his own brother Esau. Moses, who delivered the Ten Commandments, was a murderer himself. Rahab is listed in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, and she was a prostitute. Samson was the strongest man, like our, our brother, uh, Eugene. <laughs> he was amazing last week. You know, the tug of war was, wow! He was MVP, right? He's like Hercules, right? 
Samson's like that, but he was a womanizer. Even David, a man after God's own heart, stole a man's wife and committed adultery. And in order to cover it up, he had her husband killed. The list goes on. list goes on. Romans chapter 3, 23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is perfect. Life is full of failures. But fail doesn't mean you are failures. There is hope. There is hope. You probably heard this expression. Failure is not falling down. But failure is refusing to get back. Every one of us fail. But true failure is when you refuse to get back to the track. That is failure. Before Jesus started his conversation with this woman at the well, he already knew everything about her. That's why uh, we haven't read this passage, but he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, well, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact that you have had five husbands and the man now uh, have, have is not your husband. What you have said, just said is quite right. He knew all about her. That's why Jesus sought her out. That's why Jesus pursued after her. He knows everything about us. That's why he's seeking after us. He's pursuing after us. Luke chapter 5, 32 says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's why he came. He's pursuing us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that what gospel is all about? Jesus Christ seeking after us. If you think we are messed up, Jesus is seeking you today. He wants you to know that there is hope. There's hope for you. Second point. Uh, Jesus loves us in spite of our failures. He still knows us so well. He still loves us. When you look at this woman, she had a, three strikes. You know, we say, to strike three, you, got, you are, right? She was a woman. Is that a strike? Yeah, back in those days. Being a woman, or they were considered woman as inferior creature. It's crazy, right? But that's how they consider them. That's why uh, Pharisees, whenever they wake up in the morning, they offer this prayer, God, thank I, I'm so grateful that I'm not born as a Gentile, a dog, and a woman. That's their daily prayer. That strike one. Not only that she was Samaritan woman, that's strike two. These were, Samaritans were the half-breed Jews who had intermarriage with Assyrian Gentile 12 generations earlier. Jews considered them not pure, defiled, impure. They considered them as animals. So she had a strike two. And strike three was that she was a woman living in adultery. So our culture, we say, strike three, you out. Right? But Jesus said, this is how he says, strike three, now you have hope. That's our Jesus. Sometimes we need strike threes. 
So I'm going to really get it. After two and three, and when you hit the bottom, you say, I'm Jesus. When it comes to love and acceptance, I will say, look a certain way or act a certain way. So you will be loved. Our culture teaches us that love is something you have to earn it. You can be earned your love. But the problem is, many of us don't have what it takes to be loved. Do you know what's the number one reason that guys don't get married these days? This is just a statistic, a survey. It happened in Korea, so it's a little bit different in America. They don't get married because they don't have money. That's the number one reason. The girls, their number one reason is this. Their prospect husband don't have money, so they can get married. It's kind of funny, but that's the truth. Last year, they did a survey. Who am I looking for? I mean, what kind of spouse do you want to have? Girls, 52% say one who has, number one is that they have to be financially stable. I understand, I mean, of course, but that's the number one reason. For guys, number one, number two, number three, all the same. They look for the outlook. <laughs> See, love is very conditional. That's how our culture, right? But God is different. Even though He knows everything from inside out, He still loves us. So there are no beauty contests when it comes to God's love. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love. He knows me who I really am, and He still loves me. I think that's, that's amazing. I love this passage. I don't know how you interpret this passage. Uh, this one. Man looks at the outward appearance, but Lord looks at the heart. How do you understand this passage? I was asking this one, what's in the heart? What, what, what is in your heart? You know what's in your heart? God's DNA. He's our creator. That's why you are so lovable. You are so... You are, God loves you so much, that's why you're so valuable. Not, you are so valuable because he loves you. It's not really that. You are so lovable. That's why you are so valuable. You see the difference, right? God's DNA is in us. Last uh, Friday, we had a global worship. And Indonesian students came to our church and they were performing uh, singing. Oh, they were so lovable. Though I, I don't speak the same language, I don't share the same culture, they are so lovable. But they, they are God's creations. Not only that, they were Christians. They were singing praise God. I was like, wow. I, I love them so much. Even though I don't know them, how much more God would love them. When he sees the heart of us, he sees his DNA in us. He's created, 
And not only that, we have Christ in us if we have accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. He sees that and you are such a precious. God doesn't love you because you are valuable, but you are valuable because God loves you. Do you know what's the antonym for faith? Anthem of faith, a positive word for faith. I was listening actually one of the Korean speakers last week. He was saying, uh, Anthem of faith is, I believe. I said, what? He can't really believe. You know, we, we don't really have faith much. That's why, God, I believe. That's the indication that he can't really believe. So he said, that's the antonym of faith. I was like, Maybe that's right. And he was saying, true faith is loving people. I love that. Yes. True faith means loving people. In order for you to love others, we have to experience the love of God. You heard that expression many times, right? God loves you so much. Every time you hear it, just, just, yeah, you don't, you can't capture that. You can't really see that. Why is that? We have to truly experience the love of Christ. His love is overwhelmed. In spite of our failures, He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Last point. Jesus offers forgiveness for our failures. Jesus had a quiet conversation with the Samaritan woman. I don't know what he spoke to her. I can assume. I mean, we, we have text, right? After the conversation took place, she became a different person. Maybe some of us need to have a conversation, quiet conversation with our Lord Jesus Christ. When you have You know, I know what's going to say to me. He would say the same thing what he said to the Samaritan woman. I know all about your past, but I still love you. And I'm, I'm going to offer you living water. Remember Pastor Ma mentioned about the living water? Actually, same, same context, same text. I'm going to offer you forgiveness. When you closely look at this text, Today's text, Jesus actually confronted sin of this Samaritan woman. Yet she didn't deny them. But she agreed with Jesus. That's what the uh, next passage. Sir, woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Some of the scholars say, she's all of a sudden changed the subject. No, I don't think so. I think she's agreed with Jesus. You are the prophet. I can see you are the prophet. When God confronts our shortcomings, our sins, we may you know, like try to uh, defend ourselves and try to compromise all, all the things. But she didn't. She just agreed with God. That is what we need to learn. And rather than compromising the situation, we just 
agree with God. Proverbs says here, He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and denounces them finds mercy. Mercy is waiting for us. You know, the word confess in Greek, it means, uh, it's the word homologeo. It means to say the same thing. To say the same thing. Jesus, God, I agree with you. Do you think, you heard the expression, right? God always gives us second chance, third chance, fourth chance, right? Do you think she needs a second chance? God gives a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, right? But did she need a second chance? Maybe she needed fifth, sixth, seventh chance? She had five husbands? She didn't need a second chance. She just needs brand new life. It's not change that she needs. I mean, the chance that she needs, she needs change in her life. It's not a chance, but true transformation. And Jesus actually offering us change heart, which will lead us change behavior. I want to just end uh, the message today with the story. Some of you guys are aware that I went to the ping pong tournament a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Actually, all started five years ago. My doctor told me, you got to exercise. So as a good patient, okay, I will do exercise. But within short, you know, like uh, every day, uh, busy schedule, I can't go out and do the exercise. So I decided to go back to play ping pong. The ping pong is the only sport that I can have a sweat within short period of time. I commit myself two or three times a week. Sometimes I only play once. Sometimes I skip the whole week, whole month. And I was, as I was keep practicing, the thought came into my mind, if I go back after many years, 30-some years, can I be able to compete without other you know, players? That thought actually came into me. And I want to enter the tournament so that I can... Uh, I don't have to be lazy to practice because I don't want to get humiliated when I go to tournament, right? So I practice, prepare myself to this world better than better than seniors, better than championship, which held in Las Vegas Convention Center two weeks ago. Four thousand people show up, over eighty countries. They came compete with your pastor, Pastor Ken. I, you know, I was so surprised. I was so good. I was, I was unbeatable. I was, I was like three nothing, three nothing, three nothing. Major tournament. I just beat the uh, guy from Denmark, Germany, and Sweden, and Slovenia, and Estonia, Indians, and so many people. So they were there. I keep beating them, and uh, I reached top sixteen. I'm, this is world. World Spelman Table Tennis, okay? It's not local here, right? <laughs> you know, I was so happy. But next round was scheduled on Saturday, 4.45 p.m. I had to come back because I had to officiate the wedding. You guys know Charles Lee's wedding. You guys were there. Some of you guys were there. So I had to withdraw myself. I was, I was so surprised actually going at that level though, but, uh, I, but the night before I came to Los Angeles, my wife was telling me, you were so awesome. 
So I want to buy you Korean barbecue. So we went to Korean barbecue. Having a great meal, and I was like happy. I was unbeatable, and you know, I was happy. Kept, you know, oh, my goodness, I was so good. And tried to have gogi, you know, Korean barbecue there. But before I have a meal, the thought came into my mind. 36 years ago, when I was 17, I competed U.S. Open. It was international championship. I was quarterfinalist. I was so good. That same year, on December, Christ found me. I met Christ. I didn't have to do this, but God, your love is so amazing. I want to offer you something. I didn't have to do this, but I want to offer you something, which was to that point, table tennis was my life. God, can you take this? I mean, this is nothing, but to me, this is my life. I want to give to you because your love is so amazing. I offered it. Table tennis to the Lord. I didn't, I didn't go back 36 years. That night, while I was having a cooking the barbecue, Korean barbecue, the thought, the, like a picture came into me. And God was like smiling at me. I didn't have to do this, but He was smiling at me. The picture made me cry. I was so, I became so emotional. I was like, God let me experience this world veteran championship. I didn't have one regret. Oh man, Charles, why did you skate like this? You know, I want to be world champion. You know, I didn't. Not even one percent. I mean, I had to come back to speak to our congregation. Actually, that was a schedule that Pastor Mara came to speak at our third service, but I had to come back for first, first and second service, right? I don't have any regret. You know, those people who play, I, I play with, they become, became the Hall of Famers in U.S. Table Tennis Association. What if I continue to play? What happened? You know, they actually, sometimes I think they may, but God was challenging me, can, son, you have to, uh, Pursue to be the Hall of Fame of faith. Not, those are temporal things. That's actually nothing. I mean, I, I don't want to say nothing, but those are really not that much things. I cannot give up faith because that transformed my life. I mean, I was only 17 years old, but the heart that I gave to him he took it gladly and transformed. I cannot deny that. If you feel like you have failed, if you feel like you don't have any hope, hey, there's hope in Jesus Christ. I found it. I experienced it. And I want you to experience that too. To God's eyes, you guys are such a precious he loves you so much. He loves you so much. That's why he gave everything. His only begotten son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross to say, hey, this is how much I love you. All you have to do is just accept me. Let's pray together. What is he 
speaking to us today? What does Holy Spirit speaking to us today? Do you need hope? I can boldly say there is hope in Jesus Christ. Life is tough. We all mess it up. Our hearts are going to be broken. But through Jesus Christ, we can hang on to hope. Jesus still loves you. Therefore, he's pursuing after you. Just like Jesus pursued after the Samaritan woman. Will you receive his love? Offer yourself to God in Jesus' name. Then you will begin to live a brand new life. If you meet Jesus, there is hope. There is transformation. We need to meet Jesus today. As we enter after prayer time, we will enter the communion. I want you to meet Jesus as you enter into communion with the Lord. And you will experience the hope transformation today because he's here today with us.